All right, Judges chapter 13 tonight. Judges chapter number 13. Judges chapter number 13. And if you're able tonight, go ahead and stand once you find your place in Judges 13. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, thankful for the opportunity to preach tonight. Um, got a lot of, in a sense, groundwork to lay tonight. And so we'll try to give... Uh, it's a little bit of a different message. We're going to kind of be in Judges 13 and then another chapter and, and almost uh, a synopsis, if you would, or an overview, a look of what's taking place here. Uh, but hopefully it'll be a blessing and encouragement to you. Um, I know it's been a challenge for me as I've studied for this uh, uh, and uh, even going back over this message this week, some of the things that God has pointed out to me, uh, getting ready to go into the year 2021 and the challenge for 2021 individually uh, for me. So in Judges 13, uh, let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. I want you to kind of notice that phrase, uh, the children of Israel did evil again. The children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And There was a certain man of Zorah, the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Verse number four, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That is chapter number 13. I want you to hold your place in chapter 13 and turn over a couple of pages to chapter number 16. We're going to fast forward just a little bit uh, so we kind of can move quickly here. In Judges chapter number 16, go down to verse number 28. The Bible says, and Samson, the young man that was spoken of in Judges chapter 13 is the judge we know as Samson, and and I know many of us here, it's a Wednesday night, we're familiar with Samson. It says, and Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon, on, uh, fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. If all we had was chapter number 13, and we fast-forwarded to chapter number 16, the end part there, we'd think, man, wow, here's a man. He was promised of God. Obviously, the uh, angel of God spoke and and prophesied to his mom and dad what was going to take place, and now he is here, and the Bible says this, that in his death, in verse number 30, uh, sorry, verse number 30, that he slew more in his death than he had when he was alive. Like, man, this is awesome. This is magnificent. This is This is amazing. But the reality is, is we can't skip from chapter 13 to chapter 16. 
There's a lot that takes place. And Lord willing, tonight I want to preach on this thought, oh, the potential. Oh, the potential. Father, we thank you for the privilege and again the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, it's been a blessing to be able to uh, just meet tonight, this Wednesday evening. We know it's been a week filled with work and school and uh, Lord, maybe just trials and tribulations and things that have gone on in life. Lord, I, I know personally there's been some things that have taken place uh, this week in my own life. And Lord, you know the, the situation and, and, and Lord, you know the burden there. And God, I, I just pray, Lord, that tonight we could put all those cares upon you. Lord, that as we've, we've come and we've desired to hear from you, we've sang praises unto your name and we've spent time in prayer, Lord, that our desire tonight is to hear from you. And I pray, God, specifically tonight that as we meet and as the preaching of the Word of God is declared and given, Lord, that it would be from You. Lord, I know I've been challenged and re-challenged as I've looked over this message and studied and prayed and prepared and read. Lord, oh, the potential. The potential that we have in God. What a thought tonight, Lord. Help us to glean from Scripture what You'd have us to glean. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated tonight. If ever there was a book in the Bible more uh, relevant or more appropriate to study, specifically in this decade, or really in the last two or three years, I believe you could have to say it'd be the book of Judges. The events described in, uh, the downfall, the book of Judges really de- described the downfall of Israel, and really it could be compared to some of the same mistakes that are taking place even here in the United States of America. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Well, in the book of Judges, we read of a nation of Israel that is uh, living a life, basically they're committing apathy and apostasy and anarchy that is taking place within this book. And we're going to kind of give us a, a little bit of a groundwork, if you would, in, in leading up to chapter number 13. But the book of Judges speaks to our current time, and it presents us with a living illustration, if you would, of individuals who served God in difficult times. The whole purpose behind the book of Judges was that God was using individuals, not, listen, can I say this, not just men, but even women, God used to bring judgment or to bring the nation of Israel to the point of recognizing that they had departed from a holy and a righteous God. And so here in this book, and in the overview of the whole entire book, you have a nation that has made a conscious choice to walk away from the things of God, yet God in His compassion and in His love and in His righteousness sends men and women to his people and says, listen, thus saith the Lord. I mean, what a thought, what a powerful statement to think about even tonight in 2020 in the day and age that we live in. How appropriate it is for you and I as God's children, as, as sons of God and daughters of God, as those that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to look at the world and to look at people who are lost and undone, and look at people who are on their way to a Christless hell, and say, listen, I am here not to cast judgment, I'm here not to, uh, not, to, not to browbeat you, but I'm here to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that you can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the emphasis, if you would, of the church, and that's really the emphasis of the book of Judges, is that God had, he pours out his heart, really, if you look at Judges this way, and you need to, is that God pours out his heart to his people, and he says this, I know you've made mistakes, I know you failed me, I know you've turned your back on me, but I still love you, and I still want a a relationship with you. Man, what a powerful, powerful, powerful book, the book of Judges. This book presents the consequences of spiritual compromise, and it reveals what happens to God's people when they conform to the mold of this world. You see, there's no room for objectivity within the Christian life. Either we will submit and serve Christ, or we will swallow up the wicked influence of this world. 
Listen, I, I, I've yet to meet a Christian who is happy, Brother Mike, who is on fire for God, who is willing to go the extra mile for God, and yet at the same time wants to dabble in the world. No, no, it's the exact opposite. The Christian that desires to have part of the world in their life, the Christian that desires to have one foot in the world, and let's just say one foot in the church house, the Christian that desires to have a little bit of the influence of the world. Listen, they're not, they're not filled with joy tonight. They're not filled with peace tonight. They're not filled with comfort tonight. No, no, they are struggling deep down inside. You say, how do you know, Brother Andrew? Because I've been there. And many of us, many of us, if we're honest tonight, have been there as well. Maybe even tonight, that's where we're at. Brother Terry, we're struggling with, with knowing what's right, knowing what God has, knowing the plan of God, but yet deep down inside, man, I really, I really enjoy the pleasures of this life. Listen, that's, that's the nation of Israel when we get into the book of Judges. So why is this book so important? Well, one reason is it warns us of the dangers of compromise. When you and I compromise with sin, it opens the floodgate for the devil to run our life. When you and I dare not stand against the compromise of sin and when we decide that sin is more pleasurable than the things of God, we allow Satan basically to take a foothold in our life. But another reason why this book is so important is this. We've said this just a few minutes ago. It's another reminder to us that God's judgment is upon sin, but at the same time, God is a God who's loving, who's forgiving, who desires that relationship with you and I. You see, God's purpose and plan behind the judges was not to ostracize his people, was not to degrade his people, was not to ruin his people's life. No, no, God's desire behind the judges was to bring a people that were, that were stooped in sin and stooped in idolatry and had wanted nothing to do with God back to that relationship with God. And so when I look at judges, I, 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 see, I, I, can, I can see America. I, I can see the world, if you would, as a whole. And I can see our political system. I can see all kinds of things within the book of Judges but can I say it like this? I can see myself within the book of Judges. I can see sometimes my own attitude and my own selfish desires and my own thing where I'm just kind of thumbing my nose at God and saying, God, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. And that's what the nation of Israel was doing. About 25% of the historical period of Israel in the Old Testament is actually recorded in the book of Judges. The journey through Judges covers approximately 325 to about 350 years of history. When we look at the opening curtain of Judges, in Judges chapter number 1, here's what we find. We find God's people opposing the Canaanites. They start out really well. They start out really well. They start out doing exactly what God wants them to do. But by the time we get to the end of the book, here's what we find. We find God's people fighting amongst themselves. Fighting amongst themselves. Tribes fighting amongst tribes. And, and the people of God, the nation of God, just totally at odds with one another. Man, what a shame to think that in the beginning of Judges... Man, you're on fire doing things. You're, you're standing against the Canaanites. You're, you're wanting to live for God. But by the end of this book, within, within 300 years, guys, we're fighting with ourselves. And what a shame to think. Judges reveals the progression of sinful living. Multiple times in this book, we find Israel, we just read it in our text, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. You'll find a common cycle within the book of Judges. And here's the cycle. Rebellion. Retribution. Repentance. Restoration. Rebellion, retribution, repentance, restoration. Rebellion, retribution, repentance, restoration. Starts to sound kind of repetitive, right? Kind of familiar? Well, that's the book of Judges. It's the book of Judges. But it's not all doom and gloom in the book of Judges. No, no, no. You say, Brother Angel, man, this is, this is starting out really negative. Like, man, I need to go home. Why did I not just stay home and listen to the message? No, no. As we scan the book of Judges, we also find this in the book of Judges. We find a book, if you would, of heroes. People that God used in this book were not perfect. Some of them had 
terrible faults and wickednesses, uh, but they were submissive to the Lord and yielded to Him. He used them, and He'll use you and I if we yield ourselves to Him. But as we literally dive into the middle of Judges, here in Judges chapter number 13, there's some things that God points out right off the bat that kind of lets us know and lets us in, if you would, of what's taking place. Look at verse number 1 of Judges chapter number 13. Here's what God says. Now, we, we know this. We know that, that, God, that God, this is God's word, and we believe that it's God's word. So here's what God says. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Now, now I don't know about you, but this isn't the first time in the book of Judges that we read this. This isn't the first time in the book of Judges that we read that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And, and, and we think about this, and let's break down this verse real quick. And the children of Israel did evil. They did evil. What, 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 is, what is evil? Well, listen, understand this, that evil was anything that went against a holy and a righteous God. Look what the Bible says. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of who? The Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Listen, as we study the book of Judges, and even as we look at this text tonight, we've got to understand that the evilness that the nation of Israel did, and it doesn't give us a specific, it doesn't say in the children of evil, or sorry, the children of Israel uh, committed idolatry, or the children of Israel forsook the... No, no, it just says that the children of Israel did evil. And one of the words that, that kind of just sticks out to me again in there in verse number one is the word again. Again. No, 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 no. David, it's not like God's saying, hey, and the children of Israel did evil. It's almost like God's really wanting us to think about this. It's not just the fact that they did evil, but that they did evil again, again, again. And it's almost as if God is saying, why did you not learn the first time? We could say, well, we can relate to that right there, can we not? How many of us have gone through storms and trials and tribulations and just different circumstances in life, and we fail the test? We fail the test, right? I mean, I grew up hearing preaching like this, Brother Abel's, Brother Merrick, Brother Sam, when I was at Bible college, listen, we, we get into a test, we get into a trial, and, and, and we know it's a test, Brother Mike, and we knowingly fail it. And what's the first thought that comes to our mind? Man, it's going to come again. It's going to come again, Brother Joe. Man, I don't want to fail it this next time. No, no, no. The children of Israel had the opportunity to do right. They had the opportunity to live for God. They had the opportunity to do exactly what God wanted them to do. But in chapter 13, God tells us this, and the children of Israel did evil again, in the sight of the Lord. Again, in the sight of the Lord. In God's sight, the conduct of Israel was evil. And God is the one who defines whether or not something is evil, or whether or not something is not evil. Man may pass legislation permitting, protecting, and approving of evil conduct. But God ultimately is the judge. God ultimately is the one that says, that's good, that's bad. God ultimately is the one that says, that's evil, that's not evil. No, no, no. I don't get to decide. Washington, D.C. does not get to decide. Congress, the Senate, listen, we don't get to decide, hey, Brother Andrew, that is evil and that is good. No, no, no. God ultimately decides this is evil, this is good. I was reading this afternoon uh, I, I, a tweet, if you would, going through the news feed of a certain of a uh, certain political individual that is in the state of Georgia, and his tweet was this, I am a pro-choice pastor. I am a pro-choice pastor. Of which another individual tweeted him back and said, you obviously as a pastor have not read the Bible. 
I thought, man, I wish that would have been me. I would have been, yeah, all over Fox News and, yeah, but I don't have a Twitter account, so it's not me. Hey, listen, tonight, we don't get to choose what is evil and what is good. I don't. Listen, listen, I, I, I cannot choose in my life, well, you know, that's evil, but that's good. I don't get that option. God makes, God makes it very clear in His Word what is evil and what is good. It is my, listen, it is my responsibility to live according to the Word of God. As God gave the nation of Israel judges and said, thus saith the Lord, the nation of Israel had to respond to what God said. No different than we as Riverside Baptist Church, whether we're here, whether we're on live stream, whatever the case is, as the Word of God is preached, no matter who's preaching it, as God's Word is preached and given to us, we have to make the choice. We have to make the decision. We have to decide, I'm going to live by what God says, or we make the decision, I'm going to choose not to. And the nation, what the nation of Israel did, they chose, they chose, they chose. We're in the middle of the book of Judges. They chose to do evil in the sight of the Lord again. Again. So look what happens, verse number one. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Judgment of God. Judgment of God. For the sake of time tonight, we're just going to kind of keep moving along here, but in chapter number 13, we're introduced to one of Israel's judges by the name of Samson. Samson's introduction in Scripture is often overlooked here in chapter number 13. Often when we think of Samson, we just simply go to Samson and Delilah, or we go to chapter number 16, which we read. But it's safe to say that the arrival of Samson was not something to be overlooked. You see, God had a specific purpose and a specific plan to use Samson as a judge within the nation of Israel. Notice in our text tonight in verse number 3, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. As I was reading this this afternoon, I was thinking, you know, this isn't just a common occurrence in Scripture. This isn't something like, you know, every once in a while the uh, the, 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 the angel of the Lord appears to a woman and says, hey, listen, you're going to have a baby. I don't find that in Scripture. As a matter of fact, I find it in very few places within Scripture. So for me, as I'm studying this, I'm looking at this, the birth of Samson, if you would, is not something to be just overlooked as, oh, that's just no big deal. No, no, no. God had a specific plan and a specific purpose right here. Look what the Bible says in verse number 4. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. You see, Samson's ministry was very needed in this day, no different than the ministry of the local church. No different than us passing out tracts. No different than us having Sunday school. No different than us having junior church or running the buses or any other ministry. Listen, the ministry of Riverside Baptist Church is very, very needed in 2020. Can I say this? It's even more so needed in 2021 as we get ready to enter into a new year. Because you and I have no idea what this new year holds. We thought, what 20, we thought 2020, whew, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year of years. It was the year of years. But going into 2021, listen, we, the church, the church, the church is essential. Samson, we know this, was physically the strongest man who ever lived. Yet he was also a very weak man, and his weakness overcame his strength. His weakness was his sensual craving, if you would, for ungodly women. We'll look at that here in just a few minutes. But he pursued them with an abandonment until God abandoned him because of his unholy pursuits. His great strength, 
his prophetic birth announcement, his calling on his life to be a Nazarite, gave him tremendous potential for God. Tremendous potential for God. For doing a work in delivering Israel. But because of his moral weakness, because of sin in his life, he realized very little of his potential. I was talking to my mom today and uh, talked to her for a while. And I was very, very tempted to ask her, but I thought maybe she'd ask me if I was okay. But I thought, Mom, I, you know, when, you know, in your life, did the angel of the Lord appear to you and say, Thou shalt have a son named Andrew? He shall be a preacher of the gospel. I'm sure if I asked my mom that, she'd be like, what's going on in Missouri? No, 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 no. We're not talking about, I mean, we're talking about a mom and a dad here, a husband and a wife, and the angel of the Lord appearing, and listen, laying out, if you would, God's plan for their son. Now, I'm, I'm a parent. I have, I have five kids, three daughters, two sons. And obviously I pray for them and pray that they would honor God and live for God. But I have yet to have the angel of the Lord appear to me, Brother Aaron, and say, Andrew, this is the plan for Levi. This is the plan for Micah. This is the plan for Isabella. This is the plan for Lydia. This is the plan for Emily. It, it make parenting a whole lot easier if that's what took place. But can I say that's not how God operated. This is a very unique circumstance. This is something that just doesn't happen just on a whim or a snap of a finger. No, no, no. This was, this was divine from God. And because it was from God, it had tremendous potential. However, Samson did not live a consistent life of faith. He only demonstrated faith on several occasions. If he had lived a consistent life of faith, he could have been the greatest judge in the book of Judges and would have brought about tremendous deliverance for the nation of Israel. But oh, the potential that Samson had. So where, that begs us to ask the question, between chapter number 13, verse number 1, and then chapter number 16, where we just read, where Samson basically uh, uh, pushed down the pillars, uh, killed himself, and then the Philistines that were in, the, that were in, the, uh, in, the, in the, the room. What took place between chapter 13 and chapter 16? So here's what, here's what most people will say. Well, Samson, he, you know, he had the sin with Delilah. And we focus so often on Samson's sin with Delilah. But really, really, when you study this passage of Scripture and you look at what's taking place, you've got to go back to even before Samson was alive. You've got to go back to the plan of God. So how did Samson destroy the potential? Can we say it like this, that God, uh, number one here, God uh, had a plan for Samson, but Samson didn't recognize God's plan. Notice what the Bible says in our text here real quick. Verse 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. You see, even before Samson took his first breath, first breath outside the womb of his mother, God had a specific plan for Samson's life. No, 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 you can't look at this chapter and you can't look at these verses and go, well, you know, that's, that's really good that the angel of the Lord said that to Samson's mom, but, you know, God had a different... No, no, God lines out specifically the plan that God has for the life of Samson. But Samson chose, and, and failing to live up to the potential, if you would, Samson chose not to recognize the plan of God in his life. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? 
You see, God has a plan for you and I. God has a specific plan for you and I. God's plan for you and I is not that we live after the things of this world. God's plan is not that that we would live for ourselves. God's plan for our life is that we would live for him. Look what he says here. Look Look what the Bible says. Verse number five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. My goodness, here's a husband and wife, uh, a husband and wife uh, who, are, who are barren at this point in time, and the angel of the Lord appears unto them and says, hey, you're going you're gonna to conceive and you're going to bear a son. Man, that's a hallelujah right there. I mean, what an encouragement. What a blessing. Uh, what an exciting time for, for a husband and wife uh, to conceive and, and bear a son. But God doesn't just stop right there. No, God gives a specific plan to the life of Samson. But here's the problem. In in Samson's life, he did not recognize God's plan. He did it. He chose to do what he wanted to do. So when we look at chapter number 16 and we see the failure or the lack of potential that Samson had, we got to go back to chapter number 13 and go, where did he make the mistake? Well, maybe here's where we make the mistake, or sorry, where Samson made the mistake was he just didn't recognize God's plan. Say, well, how does that relate to me, Brother Andrew? Let me ask you this. What is God's plan for your life? What is God's plan for your life? Well, Brother Andrew, I'm not. David, how old are you? 15? I'm not 15. I'm not 15. Brother Terry just turned a few years older than 15. You don't mind me telling, do you, Brother Terry? Brother Brother Terry just turned 70. That's a big age difference between 15 and 70. But you know what? Listen, God has a plan for David at 15, and God has a plan for Brother Terry at 70. But here's, here's really the question. Do you recognize God's plan? Brother Terry, at 70, do you even recognize God's plan? No, 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 no. Everybody look up here. All the adults look up here. So often, we want to look at these young people and go, man, what's God's plan for your life? What's God's will for your life? You know what I've realized is I've gotten a few years older? That God's plan and God's will doesn't end at the teenage years. Still in my life. Even as an adult, Brother Rick, as an old person, older person, God's plan is still relevant. God's purpose, God's will in my life is still relevant no matter how old I am. Doesn't matter if I have five kids. Doesn't matter if I have no kids. Doesn't matter if I'm a teenager. Doesn't matter if I'm a senior saint. It does not matter. God's plan is still relevant in my life. But here's the real question. Do I recognize God's plan? Do I recognize God's plan? Do I even consider God's plan? Do I consider the things that God has for me? The Nazarite vow is recorded in Numbers chapter number 6. And within Numbers chapter number 6, we see the word separation or separate 16 times in 27 verses. 16 times in 27 verses, the God says this, that those that take the Nazarite vow, whether they be male, whether they be female, must be separated or there must be separation between them and the normal Israelite. It's safe to say that God is a God of separation because God's plan has always been for his people to be separated from the world. But here in the life of Samson, we don't even have the time really to dive into it tonight. We're kind of looking at it uh, from an overview, if you would. But we know this, that Samson lived the exact opposite. Samson had no separation in his life. He had no, listen, he had no desire, really, if you would, uh, to live separate from the Philistines and to live separate from all the worldly influences in his life. You say, well, why is that such a big deal, Brother Andrew? Because he didn't recognize the plan God had for him. 
Let's ask ourselves this question tonight. Are we really living a life of potential? Are we really living? Listen, as we get ready to go into 2021, are we, are we, gonna get ready, are we getting ready to live a repeat of 2020? I don't want to. I don't want another 2020. I don't. But Joey, I don't want another 2020. But, but listen, I'll get another 2020 if I don't recognize the plan God has in my life. If I'm not seeking his will. He said, Brother Andrew, like, even, 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 even as, a, as an older person, absolutely, God's got a plan. I don't know what God's plan is for 2021 for me or, or for you or for the church or for pastor or whatever the case is. But here's, here's the thing where the rubber meets the road, if you would. I want to know God's plan. And I want to recognize God's plan. And I want to live for God's plan. And I want to strive every single day to get to God's plan. And to say, God, that's what you have for me? Well, I'm going to live all out. All out for you. But Samson wasn't that way. No, no, he decided that he would rather live his own plan. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, Paul would write to the church at Corinth, and he said this. He said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. An all-powerful, all-knowing God designed you and I for a specific purpose, a specific plan, and a specific will. We should be diligently seeking after God. Isaiah would say this in Isaiah 44, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. Psalm 71, David cried out, and he said this, Be thee... Uh, by thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5. God said this to the prophet Jeremiah. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Whether or not you and I recognize it today, God has a specific plan for our life. And can I say it like this? God's plan for my life is not the same as it is for David's life or for Micah's life or for Gabe's life or for Abram's life. God's plan for my life is my plan with God. God, Listen, God has a specific plan for my life. Listen, we ought to strive to know God's plan, to recognize God's plan. Samson failed. His potential failed because he failed to recognize God's plan. Number two, look at Judges chapter number 14. Judges chapter... Number 14, as we move along. Oh, the potential that Samson had. His first failure was this, that he failed to recognize the plan of God. Number two tonight, look at Judges chapter 14. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, and Samson went down to Timnath. This is obviously, Samson has been born. We kind of skipped through chapter number 13. Samson's been born, and, and uh, so he's being raised as a Nazarite. He's been raised uh, in a home where his mom and dad, listen, uh, have obviously probably spent some time with him. So what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? They've probably said, now, Samson, let me, let me tell you about what took place before you were born. Let me tell you about the angel of the Lord coming and, and, and specifically what took place. And, and, and your father didn't believe me. And, 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 and when he appeared again, I had to go run and get your father. And, and, and your father and I heard the message of the angel of the Lord. And, and the angel of the Lord said that you're going to be a Nazarite. And you're going to deliver uh, the, God's people from the nation of Philistine. That all what took place within that home, that upbringing. But in chapter 14, it says, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman 
and Tibnath are the daughters of the Philistines. Samson's failure, listen, in his potential, number one, was that he didn't recognize God's plan. But then number two, Samson's failure in his potential was that Samson's plan took priority. In chapter number 14, verse number one, the Bible gives us this insight into Samson to where he goes down to Timnath, no big deal. Not, not, he's just traveling, not a big, huge deal. But here's where the problem lies. And saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Verse 2, and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. I'm a little confused, David. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little confused because the chapter before, the angel of the Lord said that Samson was going to be born he was going to basically be, he was going to be a judge, he was going to be a Nazarite, and he was going to deliver the nation of Israel from, from the Philistines. I mean, that's what I read, right? Is that what you read in your Bible in chapter 13? Okay, I'm just making sure. But the next chapter, he's traveling down to Timnath, and he sees a woman of the Philistines, and here's what the Bible says. Look at verse number 2. I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me. He didn't come home and go, hey, mom and dad, I want you to pray about this. Hey, hey, mom and dad, you know, I was traveling to Timnath, and, and, I, and I know, I know the Philistines were there, and, and I know I'm supposed to deliver the nation of Israel from them, and, and, and I know that, man, I should, have been, I should have been preaching righteousness, and should have been preaching what thus saith the Lord. No, no, no. He went home and said, hey, I saw a woman. I'm going to paraphrase here. I saw a woman, a Philistine woman. I liked what I saw, and I want her to be my wife. Not only did Samson not recognize God's plan, but then secondly tonight, Samson's plan became the priority. You say, how do you know that, Brother Andrew? Look at what takes place between his mom and dad. Look at verse number three. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all thy, my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Here, here's, ready, here's, Mom and dad, Samson. Samson comes in, mom and dad, I saw a woman. Man, I saw her, she's beautiful. Let's pray about it. Let's talk to God about it. That's not what happens. He comes in, barges in the door, pulls the door off the hinges, whatever he does, steps on in. Mom and dad, I saw a woman, of the daughters of the Philistines. I want her. Go get her. You know what that shows me? It shows me pride. It shows me pride. This is what I want. Samson saying, this is what I want. Mom and dad, this is what I want. My plan, my priorities. It's what I want. And here's old mom and dad. <laughs> then verse three, then his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren? Hold up, Samson. Uh, we got a little bit of a problem here. We got a little bit of a problem. Um, that's a Philistine woman that you're wanting. And... Uh, not, a, not, not an Israelite woman. They confront Samson, which is what, listen, which is what parents ought to do. Listen, parents, I'll be honest with you, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so thankful, so thankful for a mom and dad uh, who, who, who would confront me when I did wrong. I'm so thankful for it, Brother Mike. And I, I deserve every whooping I got. I was raised in the day where you had the paddle and we didn't call the power, just called it Mr. Whitman. I'm thankful for every whooping. Probably should have gotten a million more. Hope my mom and dad aren't watching this on live stream. Uh, but listen, I am so, 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 so thankful. And I still had my mistakes. I still had my failures. I still had my shortcomings. But I'm thankful for a mom and dad 
who would stand up and say, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh, I don't think so. That's not the path you need to go down. That's not the direction that you need to go. That's That's not what you need to be doing. It's not what you need to be doing. But here's Samson's mom and dad. And they say this, well, son, uh, we got a little bit of an issue here. Here's what Samson says. Look at the latter part of verse number three. And Samson said unto his father. Here's mom and dad confronting Samson. <laughs> Samson goes, I, I, just, I just picture Samson. If you would, he's standing there and, and mom and dad are, are, are looking at him and, and, and they plead their case to Samson. And I could see Samson kind of looking and kind of like bowing up like this, you know, walking up to his dad. Walking right up to his dad's face. And look what he says. Look what the Bible says. And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me. For she pleaseth me well. Wow. 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 Samson had so much potential and caused the premature demise of his ministry and ultimately his life. Because of his desire to have his plan, his priorities. How true it is today for you and I when we fail to see the plan of God take place in our life because as our Heavenly Father stands before us and says, I don't think that's a good idea, we bow up and we say, I want what I want. How many of us have failed to see the potential, have failed to see God work in our life, have failed to see God answer our prayer because when given the opportunity to do right and given the opportunity to draw closer to God, we have bowed up and we have said, God, I want it my way. I don't read in this passage of Scripture where Samson's mom and dad start throwing stuff at him, start throwing a big big, uh, uh, commotion going on in the house. I don't see them yelling and screaming at him. I don't see them saying, hey, you know, we're going to dis... No, no, I don't see that. I see a mom and a dad who lovingly address Samson and say, hold up, buddy, there's some issues right here. And Samson's response is this, look at verse number three. Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. I'm sure Samson's parents told him from birth. I'm sure Samson's parents reminded him on almost, if you would, a daily basis. I'm sure they sat him down and explained everything to him. I'm sure they explained everything to Samson. Samson knew. Listen, when when all the other boys in the neighborhood were getting haircuts and Samson wasn't, I'm sure there was some explaining that went on. I'm sure that when there were certain things that that were at the buffet, if you would, in town, and Samson could partake and couldn't eat of certain things, I'm sure there were some questions asked. Why can't I partake of that? Why can't I eat that? Why is my hair longer than all the other guys? Why, why, why do I have to live this way? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? I am sure Samson's mom and dad didn't go, well, you know what, we'll, we'll tell you about that later. No, I'm pretty sure Samson's mom and dad uh, had enough of a relationship with their son where they said, here's the reason why God chose you. Here's the plan God has for your life. Here's the direction you're headed. And I'm sure as Samson grew and he grew and he grew and he grew and he got to be an adult in chapter number 14, Samson got, if you would, too big for his britches, if you would, and said, listen, I'm going to do what I want to do. And in verse number 1 and verse number 2, the Bible tells us that he went down and he saw a woman of the Philistines and he liked what he saw. So he goes home and he says, mom and dad, here's ultimately what he's saying. I don't really care what God's plan is. I like that woman. Go get her for me. Samson's plan took priority, and the potential that Samson had 
was no more. Samson saw a woman. Obviously, he lusted after her. And in verse number three, he finishes this verse by saying this, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. When confronted with sin in our life while living for our plan rather than God's plan, our focus isn't on the warning, but on the wanting. Let me say that again. When confronted with sin in our life while living for our plan rather than God's plan, our focus isn't on the warning, but on the wanting. We want what we want. When our plan is the priority, it doesn't matter what authorities God has put in our life, what they have to say. We simply want what we want. Man, how true that is, even in ministry. As you watch people make decisions and make choices in life, and, and, and even now, even now, uh, uh, as raising kids, and our kids are getting older, and getting their teenage years, and the choices and the decisions that they make, and the correction that takes place. Listen, Samson failed in his potential, if you would, because his plan took priority. How many of us are going to go into 2021? And here's the mindset for 2021. Bless God, I don't want 2021 to be like 2020, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Say, Brother Andrew, there'd never be a Christian, there'd never be a member of Riverside Baptist Church that would say such a thing. Are you sure? Are you sure? I know he's not here tonight, and hopefully I I don't embarrass him, but I'm sure over the years that there have been people that have looked at, whether it's Pastor Marshall or Pastor Williams, and have looked at those preachers in their face, Brother Mike, and have said that this to those preachers, whether it was in the office, whether it was in a house visit, whether it was up here, whatever the case is, and they've probably looked at those two preachers, those two pastors, and have said something along this line. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I can think about teenagers and young people who, who over the years I've had the privilege and the opportunity to minister to who have looked at me in the office or on a visit or at a park bench or at Taco Bell eating a taco and have said this, Brother Andrew, I don't care what God says. I don't care what you say. I don't care what my mom and dad say. I want to do what I want to do. What a shame to think tonight. What a shame to think tonight that as we get ready to end 2020 and get into 2021, that we would never achieve the potential, the plan of God in our life simply because we have this mindset of my plan is my priority. That's where Samson was. Because look what takes place in verse number 14. But his father, and, or sorry, verse number four, but his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord and that he sought an occasion against the Philistines for the time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Listen, nothing's, nothing's catching God by surprise here. Nothing's catching God by, and God's not up in heaven going, wow, listen, man, Samson, oh, my goodness, oh, what, what is the, what is the, what, man, my plan's, my plan's going to not. I mean, man, it's a mess. It's, it's failure. No, no, no. God knew. God knew what was taking place. God, listen, God knew exactly what was taking place. Say, so why is that so significant, Brother Andrew? We're going to fast forward to chapter number 16, but in chapter number 14 and chapter number 15, let me just kind of highlight it real quick so we can finish up tonight. God still is working in Samson's life. God is still showing mercy. God is still showing grace. God is still showing compassion. God is, listen, God is still showing the opportunity for Samson to get things right. To get things right. We get to chapter number 16 and we read the story of Samson and Delilah. But by the time we get to chapter number 16, Samson already has a failed marriage. 
His ministry, if you would, is, I'm sure as Samson walked through the town and walked through the village, there were probably some people that were, you know, gossiping about the prophet, or sorry, about the judge, about Samson, about what he had done and how he had married a Philistine woman and the conflict that took place between her family and the, the nation of the Philistines. No, no, no. He still had the opportunity to live for God. But Samson continually chose to live for himself. Look at chapter number 16, verse number 1. Look what the Bible says. Chapter 16, verse number 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. Here's Samson's failure, if you would, tonight. Number one, Samson didn't recognize God's plan. God had a plan for Samson's life. From the very beginning, before Samson was even born, God had a plan. Number two, Samson's plan became the priority. Chapter number 14, we read about Samson. He saw a woman in Philistines, and man, I gotta have her. Tells his mom and dad, that's the one. I gotta have her, gotta have her. His plan took priority. And then here's really, if you would, the demise that really takes place in Samson's life. In verse number one, Samson travels down to Gaza. There he sees a harlot. I'm not going to get very uh, descriptive here, but we that are adults, we know what this representation is here. The Bible says, and he went in unto her. So here's, listen, follow me here. Here's a man of God, a judge, someone who's supposed to preach, someone who's supposed to judge, someone who's supposed to represent God. Here's the amazing thing. From before he was born, his mom and dad knew. As he's growing up, he knew, Brother John. Hey, I'm a Nazarite. Man, God's got a plan for my life. And yet as he got older, he chose his own path. He, I, I got my own plan. This is what I want to do. And he steps out a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Watch the progression here to the point now where he's got a failed marriage. And he gets to the point in chapter number 16, verse number 1, where the Bible just simply says this, that he went down to Gaza, he found a harlot, and went in unto her. I don't know about you, but that's pretty low for a man of God. It's pretty low. That's a pretty, listen, that's a pretty sad state of affairs that we read right here. A lot of times we just, Brother Phil, we'll just read, we'll just read right on over that real quick. But if we would just stop and realize how low Samson has gone and all the potential that Samson's throwing out the window, if you would, living his life the way he wants to live it. So here's the third reason, or the third thing. Samson, potential. Here's number three. The pleasure of sin meant more to Samson than the plan of God. The pleasure of sin meant more than the plan of God. In pursuing his marriage in chapter number 14, Samson disobeyed the laws of a Nazarite. A Nazarite was to separate themselves unto the Lord and the The whole idea of being a Nazarite was to give more of one's life to the service of God. And so because of that, a Nazarite was to be completely separated from the world, and not just the world, if you would, but was to be separated from the normal life of an Israelite. But by pursuing the Philistine woman, Samson was not separating himself, but was mixing with the unclean and the unholy. This obviously violated the whole process, or the whole purpose, if you would, of being a Nazarite. But by the time we get to chapter number 16, Samson... He's got to the point now to where it's just like, man, I'm just living a life of sin, just doing what I want to do. And the Bible tells us in very plain, very plain English, if you would, very, very plain wording, that Samson just travels down to Gaza, he sees a harlot, 
And he goes in unto her. What a sad state of affairs. It's amazing that Samson had all the potential in the world to serve God and accomplish great things for God. Imagine how different chapter number 16 would have gone and Samson's life would have gone if we had started reading it like this. And Samson spent time with the Lord. And in spending time with the Lord, Samson realized he wasn't living for God. And so Samson cried out to God, Lord, would you please forgive me? I've lived for myself. I've lived for my selfish pleasures. I've lived for my own plan, my own desires. I haven't represented you or the nation of Israel, your people. I haven't been the judge that you have desired for me to be. And I haven't been the judge that was promised in in Judges chapter 3. I haven't been the judge that I know that I should have been. God, would you please forgive me? Imagine how different chapter number 16 and even the ending of chapter 16 would have been had that been Samson's response. No, that wasn't his response. His response, David, was just more sin. More sin. More wickedness, more vileness. Listen, we haven't even gotten to Delilah yet. See the progression here? See the progression? We haven't even gotten to Delilah. We haven't even gotten to that story yet. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Listen, you and I, we fail to see the potential. We fail to live up to the potential. We fail to live out the plan of God when the pleasure of sin means more to us than the plan of God. When you and I make the conscious choice to live for sin and live after sin, we're ultimately telling God this, God, your plan is not worth it. God, your plan is not my desire. God, it doesn't matter what you want. I want what I want. It's been said this, and I'm sure you've heard this being in church as long as maybe some of you have. It's been said that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Charles Spurgeon said, There may be some sins of which a man cannot speak, but there is no sin which the blood of Christ cannot wash away. You know, the amazing thing is that in God's righteousness and God's holiness, God still had a plan of redemption for Samson. But yet in Samson's life, he said, You know what? I'm going to keep living for the sin. So as we get into chapter number 16, we know this. We know that Samson goes from the harlot, verse number 1, to Delilah. And in his dealings with Delilah, we know this, that the sin and the judgment of God, if you would, comes to a climax. We know the story, what takes place is Delilah uh, basically coerces Samson into giving up uh, his strength, his ability to have the, the godly strength that God's given him. And the Philistines come in over a course of time. And it's a whole other message there with Samson and Delilah. But we know this, the Philistines ultimately get Samson. They pluck his eyes out. They make him work in a grain mill and grinding grain. And then we get into the latter part of chapter 16 and look at verse number 26. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women. And beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I find it very interesting that this is the first time you hear Samson go, Oh Lord God. First time you read here in Samson's life where he says, Oh Lord God. God, would you, God, would you remember me? You know, it's, you, you know what 
ultimately Samson's saying here? Here's ultimately what Samson's saying. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, would you forgive me? Look what he says. O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Throughout these four chapters of Judges, we see God move and work, understanding this, that God will always accomplish what He wants to accomplish, regardless of our disobedience. So how do I not destroy, ruin, forego, ignore, disregard, forsake, abandon the potential that God has for me? Let's rephrase the question and we'll be done tonight. In consideration of 2020 and the fact that 2021 is really only 22 days away, let's ask this question. How do I diligently seek God? How do I not make the same mistakes that Samson made? Here's how. Number one, I've got to recognize God has a plan for my life. Listen, I don't know, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are in this auditorium or watching on live stream, God has a plan for your life. And I hope, I hope that you can say, hey, Brother Andrew, I know God's plan. I know, God, I, I, I know what God's doing in my life, and I hope that you can. But I dare say that maybe tonight some of us, we can't, we can't really explain God's plan in our life right now. Number two, how do I diligently seek Him? Number two, acknowledge His plan is better than my plan. Man, if 2020 has taught us anything, our plans are, they're nothing. But God's plan is better than my plan. And then number three, lastly, make living for God and denying sin's pleasure in my life my number one priority. Listen, we all have potential. Doesn't matter if we're 15, doesn't matter if we're 70, Brother Terry. We all have potential. But how are we living tonight? Are we living like Samson? God, I'm going to do it my way. Do it how I want to do it? Or are we totally yielded and surrendered to God and say, God, whatever, it, whatever you got to do, Lord, I'm all open. God, I'm here. I'm totally yielded to you. Father, we thank you for tonight and again the privilege and the opportunity we have to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the lessons we can find in the life of Samson. And I know we just looked at his life in, a, in an overview tonight. And there's so much there that we could dive into and we can look at. Well, Lord, I believe as we look at the life of Samson, there's some lessons that we can learn individually, and Lord, even as a church, collectively. I pray that as we finish out this year, and as we prepare to get into the next year, God, that our focus, that our heart's desire, whether we're, um, Lord, a husband, a wife, a, a child, a single, Lord, whether we're young, whether we're older, whatever we are, whether we're a teenager, even a young child, Lord, I pray that our heart's desire would be to seek your will and your plan for our life. To recognize the potential that we have in Christ and the opportunity we have to live for Christ. The opportunity to live out the plan of God in our life. Help us tonight, God, to recognize our shortcomings. But in recognizing our shortcomings, Lord, also help us to recognize the truths that we can take to make 2021 a year to remember personally and spiritually. Lord, help us to live for you strive to live and to walk closer to you every day. As we stand tonight and the piano begins to play, if God's spoken your heart, the altars are open.